Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or the Graham, Aaron underscore Dugan. Aaron, anything happened in the SEC since the last time we talked? No, not except for everything. Drama is flooding. (laughs) Uh, We've got a whole lot of stuff to get to today on the show. By the way, Jeff Ketchum going to join us from orangebloods.com who covers the Texas Longhorns. He will give us a ton of insight as to what this means for recruiting in the SEC, what it means for the state of Texas, get to know the politics of the Texas Longhorns, which are is very complicated, uh, and give us some insight as to just exactly why this is all happening so fast. Um, great, great guy. I've talked to him and known him for a long, long time, and will give us some great insight into all this stuff going on. So where are we, Aaron, in this process since the last time we talked? Well, on Monday morning, Of course, on Monday morning, we had Oklahoma and Texas officially announce that they are not renewing their grant of rights, essentially saying, we're out of the Big 12. Well, then you had on Tuesday, right before we start recording this, you have Greg Sankey and the SEC essentially saying they have applied for membership in the SEC starting in 2025. We will vote on this. Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated reports that the vote will take place between presidents in a meeting on Thursday at, I believe, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Central Standard God's time. That is where we are right now as we are recording this. We have lots of stuff to get to. What will happen in the vote? When will this actually take place? Is 2025 really legitimate or is there another date that we should consider? Is this good for college football? Is it good for the SEC? Is it good for Alabama and Texas A&M and Georgia and Florida, or is it just good for Texas and Oklahoma? We'll get to all of that. What should the scheduling and the divisional layout look like in the SEC? And can the Sooners and Longhorns actually hang in the SEC in the big boy league? We will get to all of that. However, before we do, Aaron Dugan, Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jaspers, the... Super Conference of Cuisine. Nice. Inspired by this week's drama unfolding. (laughs) Expand your waistline at Jasper's. (laughs) Hey, that was good. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Jasper's great menu, free parking. Unlike trying to get out of a grant of rights deal, which can be extremely costly, you go to Jasper's, you park for free, man. And they got great food, great place to watch the games. All kinds of stuff coming up this fall. You know what I mean? Like maybe quick service. Your food comes out fast. Yeah. Just like this vote is happening really fast. If nothing's going to happen until 2025. So Jasper's just getting things done. Go to Jasper's. It's awesome. All right. Uh, Jeff Ketchum coming up in a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Fantastic guy. Knows a whole lot about Texas, man. Knows the inner workings. He's going to give you every reason as to why this is happening, explain the political structure at Texas and, and talk a little bit about Oklahoma as well, but uh, just get, get you to get you to know your new teammate. Cause Texas is going to be a new teammate. Um, this vote is going to happen apparently on Thursday, according to reports, and it could happen earlier in theory. You could be listening to this and it's already happened. I'm going to call a shot and say it's 14 to nothing. It is unanimous. And I believe it will be a unified front um, by all accounts, Aaron, any reason Texas A&M has been very petulant, I don't believe it to be genuine. I, I think it's very disingenuous the way Texas A&M has been acting for smart reasons, but I do believe it'll be a 14 nothing vote. Yeah, I mean, I don't see... You almost have to give off a certain look if you're 
you know, speaking to donors about, you know, we want this to be our conference and, you know, we don't want Texas in the SEC, but when it comes to the getting a check stroked, it, it makes no sense for them not to be. And I think, and what I was going to ask you was besides the check, besides money, what is the other reason that it will be 14 to nothing? I just, the look, make sure it looks good, that unified front that you're talking about. Are there any other reasons besides just overall what it looks like and then the money? Is there a third one that I'm not thinking of? Meaning, meaning why? For why you would all vote yes. No, it's a, it presents a nice, solid, unified, you know, belief in, in, in what they're doing. Even if somebody they need eleven yeses, so you'd have to have eleven yeses to make it happen. I, I think Sankey is going to have all of them in line. Uh, again, I just think the the dollars projected by this, and I I wish I could remember who reported this, but I don't have it in front of me. But the, the estimated increase is two hundred and twenty four million dollars a year in television revenue across the entire league. That's sixteen million dollars yeah. per team more. Do I do, do I need another reason <laughs> to vote yes? Like all you got to do is say, "Are you going to the prom with me?" Check the box. Yeah, yes. And you make sixteen million more dollars per year. You have you have to. Why would you not? And you know it's going to pass, so you might as well not be the one that votes no. I think that's some of it, which is also why I think A and M is out there, sort of publicly decrying all of this. They're the ones who sort of leaked the story in the first place because it was right when Texas A and M AD Ross Bjork was about to take the the, the stand or whatever. <laughs> that sounds like a jury. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. At media days. But it was, it, there's a reason it came out right as AM was about to start talking and have their moment in the sun. I, I think they need to put on a public face of, you know, hey, we're pissed off. We left Texas to get out of their shadow. We're in the SEC. We don't want you in the SEC. It will, in theory, help Texas and Oklahoma recruit the state of Texas. And that's a bad yes. thing for AM, but it's a bad thing for LSU and Alabama and everybody else too, trying to recruit the state of Texas. I mean, everybody tries to recruit the state of Texas is Texas. So it's like you already have the stiffest competition in the world because you have the best, like some of the best athletes besides, well, no, not besides anyone. I mean, Florida's big stomping grounds too, but Texas is just a different beast when it comes to high school football. So you're already up against that wall. Look, I mean, and Jeff Ketchum is going to explain this a little bit more in detail, but like when the negative recruiting against the Big 12 is a real thing. It's a real thing. And so Texas and Oklahoma get to remove that aspect, that hurdle from their recruiting process. Oh, by the way, and make a whole ton of money. And and let's be honest, you said like, why say yes? Like the truth is this is the world's most powerful college football conference ever assembled, period. Like the Big Ten has made a little bit more money than the SEC up until this point. That won't be the case. That They are taking a proactive swing at the at 100 years worth of the future of college football. And, and they're looking at it through a lens of 100 years saying, what makes us the biggest and the best and the strongest? And this this is very obviously a huge. I mean, this is swinging with the big stick here. You know what I mean? Yep, it's gonna it's gonna definitely make things interesting because as we'll talk about, there's probably some larger implications down the road of the effects, the trickle down effects of what this may do to college football as a whole. Yeah, which of which there are many, <laughs> there, many. Yes. There is there is no question. Before we get to because um, maybe like I could see Missouri. You know, they, they used to be in the shadow of Texas and Oklahoma and they got out of it. But like, aren't they still just in the shadow in the SEC? I just don't think Missouri has a whole lot of ground to stand on. I could see Arkansas saying, you know what, 92, we left to, to come to here and we've been benefiting financially ever since. Now, Arkansas is a great case study in 
not being nearly as good at football. Yeah. Like they joined the SEC and have not been as successful as they were in their previous conferences. So I could see those two, but like other than those three, I don't think you were going to get a fourth vote. So I think that's why you end up with a 14. It's just too, it's too, it's just too obvious. Like this is like if Notre Dame says we want to join your league, like all of you say, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there is no argument. If, if you, if you are listening to news sources that are putting up a good front or story about why this that may not get voted in. It's just, it's just not the case. You will see it come through on Thursday, which am I know I've mentioned this early earlier, Braden, when we were, you know, today, but like with 2025 being the slated time for this to happen, why are we voting two days after this comes out? Like it seems like we're this is very hasty. Well, what it sounds like is that it was all underway and that once it got out, they had to sort of put the the pen to paper, right? Like it's sort of <laughs> once it's once it's out there, it's just like was, just you know. Yeah, I was gonna try to like come up with some dating analogy for like from back in the day when you're in college and like everybody knows everybody, and like all of a sudden you saw somebody with somebody else. But I haven't been there in so long that I don't even know if the analogy would fit. Like I'm I really even... want you to try because I almost don't understand what you mean. <laughs> so like you know how you have friend groups. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell this story. You have friend groups in college, like and everybody kind of knows everybody else. Like all the girls and boys, all they all know each other, right? Like everybody knows each other. Well, and if you kind of date one for a little while and then you find out maybe she's kind of interested in somebody else. So then you kind of stop seeing each other. But then you end, but, but but you've been partying with that same group of girls for a long time. So, you know, you maybe try to date somebody you already know, but then they're a friend. And does that make sense at all? <laughs> I'm like, honestly, staring at you talking and I'm trying so hard to latch on, but I just feel like I'm missing something. So but I, it's I, like I, cats out of the bag. You left that part out. It's like right, you started like, hooking up with someone and you already dated someone in the group. But once they saw you with the new girl, you're like, just tell everybody because you want to beat them to the punch. I, I think that's what I was going for. <laughs> I literally don't know. So I had a, I dated a girl in, in college and dated oh, here we go. Here dated, it is. <laughs> dated, dated is a very loose term, right? Right. Like we were, it was very loose. I found out she was kind of, you know, doing this thing with this other guy. She was just going to do what she was going to do. And then I kind of found out about it. And once I found out about it, like, well, let's, let's stop seeing each other at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it, oh. it's, it's like, like, there's no reason for us to continue this charade of seeing. Each well, other. it would make more sense if like, as soon as you found out, she made it official with the other guy as to eliminate any questions. Yeah. The analogy doesn't fit as much. Cause then I started dating <laughs> one of her friends. And so that would, that's, that would, sort okay. of, that would sort of be like, Oklahoma State, like immediately joining the league too, maybe? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not that sure. That sounds so suggestive. But by the um, way, by the way, I would not be surprised if the SEC, and this is, to- I have no information on, on this, but don't be surprised if I wouldn't be crazy blown away if the SEC was like, hey, uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, you guys want to come too? Let's make it 18 teams. I wouldn't, uh, that's not crazy. Why are you stuck on, you, t- you said this yesterday when we were talking about it. Why are you so stuck on it being... Oklahoma State just because it makes the most sense like why so uh, from a TV perspective that isn't what makes the most sense no if you why did they take Missouri in the first place well because TV is not nearly as important as it used to be because people are cutting cords at like 20 million subscribers per year or whatever Um, so markets don't matter as much anymore it's about what it's a what it's about is brands it's about good football how much good football can you put on the field for your season ticket holders and on the television set for your TV partners and if you want to stream it, you can stream it. Like I can, if I'm a huge fan, all that matters is, is the size of your brand, Texas. It doesn't matter that they're eight and four every year, right? They're, they're freaking Texas, which is also why I don't think any other league is going to do anything else. I think it's going to be much quieter than people realize. But other than Notre Dame, who right now is like the calmest 
team in the entire country. They're just sitting back with a cigar, like going, <laughs> look at all you people panicking. Notre Dame is totally <laughs> fine. Outside of Notre Dame, the best football program not attached to a power conference right now is Oklahoma State. Yeah. And I could vote West Virginia as number two on that list. And so those are the – basically, I'm like, who are the next two best football programs in America? Maybe the SEC could take those two. I don't think they will, but don't don't put it past them. It's about how many great games can you provide us? And if you put Texas, and here's the thing, we'll transition. You know, we, we're going to talk about if this is good for college football. It's not. It's not good for college football. But as SEC fans, think about how many combinations of unbelievably ungodly good football games we're going to get now. Yeah, it it amplifies. Just adding two teams is it's crazy what that can do when you look at it from a schedule perspective of what kind of matchups you can see. It feels like it, it feels bigger than just two. Yeah, at, out of you know out of 16 it because you look at all these individual matchups that we could potentially be seeing on Saturdays and you're like whoa that adds a lot of dynamic to all of these schedules you're adding like like 10 to 12 absolute bangers every year Mm -hmm. just oh Texas Texas A&M you think that sells (laughs) college game day college game day fights just got a lot more intense you're adding Oklahoma Florida You know, you're you're adding Texas, Texas A&M. You're adding Alabama, Oklahoma. You're adding Oklahoma, LSU. Texas LSU was one of the most watched football games of the entire season two years ago down in Austin with Joe Burrow. That was like number five of the entire regular season. Um, So it's it's about the big brand and the big moments and the big games that sell season tickets and television revenue. It's not as much about like, oh, I need to acquire a new market. It's about I want to acquire the the entire country, right, on on a streaming platform or whatever. Right. Before we get into, is this good for college football? I do want to ask you if you had to guess what year this happens, because the statement from the SEC said 2025. If you had to guess what year this happens, what year do you think this happens? I have a feeling we're on the same page about this, but before the new 12 team playoff. <laughs> uh, I, I think, or I think, yeah, I think, for it. I think, yes. And, and Jeff Ketchum will use a really interesting, a better analogy than I used about dating in college. He will use it. He will use <laughs> oh, an thank analogy. God. <laughs> he will use an analogy about marriage uh, a little bit later on uh, in his Funny. in his interview about why this could happen a lot faster. I, look, they they extended the invitation to Missouri and A and M, and they were in the league by the next football season. So I, I think 2025 is when the current playoff and the current grant of rights are supposed to run out. Mm-hmm. I would guess that no later than 2023 is every all of the dust has settled on everything. And of course, I don't believe that's a coincidence. I believe that we'll have a 12-team playoff and new conferences, mostly the SEC. I think all of that will be in place no later than 2023 and maybe even next year, if I had to guess. If you had to also guess, besides this acquisition of these two new teams, what other, if you had to pick one major change that you think now as a residual effect will also happen by 2023, what would you say? I'm going to need a commercial break to think about it because <laughs> I think it ties directly into, is this good for college football or not? Okay. We'll give you a break then. So I will answer your question and we will ask the question, is this good for college football? And what do we want our divisions to look like in the SEC as well as Jeff Ketchum when we come back right here on Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Fringe Element is brought to you by Aaron Dugan, who? Jaspers, the um, officiating the marriage 
of desserts and drinking. <laughs> Inspired by um, this interview you guys are about to hear. The marriage analogy. <laughs> uh, Jaspers officiating the divorce of the Big 12 and the marriage of Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC. That's I don't good. know I don't how Jaspers, Jaspers is doing that. that. <laughs> I don't know how Jaspers is doing that. I think but mine they, was better, but I appreciate the effort. No, yours was better. It always is. However, Jasper, Jasper's is the best, though. Their menu, their drinks, frozen popsicles. It was look, boozy frozen popsicles. If you're an Oklahoma State fan listening to this and you're in Nashville and you want to drown your sorrows, if you're a Baylor fan, you know, my, my uncle in law, <laughs> shout out to my uncle in law, Mark. You know, actually, he's been mentioned on the pod before, you know. Uncle Mark. Yeah, Baylor, you have talked about him before. Baylor grad. If you need to drink your sorrows away, bud, because your conference is disintegrating in front of your very eyes, I got a place for you. Jaspers. You got lots of drinks, man. Good food, too. So when you get a little too boozy, you can fill up your belly and settle that down a little bit, you know? You do don't you want think, to do all the drinking without the empty stomach, you know? You do you want. think Uncle Mark would be more of a froze guy or more <laughs> of the um, man? Cold, cold fashion. Cold fashion. The cold fashioned, yeah. Yeah. What do you between, think Uncle Mark would pick? Between the two, definitely cold fashion. Okay. Um, but like the only two things I think I see him drink are like wine and like beer. I think I don't think I'd see him okay. drink a whole lot of liquor. Uncle Mark laid off the liquor. Uncle Mark just had just I, I was in Dallas over the weekend in a new Big Twelve slash SEC market. He married off his his son, his second son, and uh, Mark was in a good mood. He was having a good time, having a good time. And it's so fun. You know, it's so funny about the wedding. What? Go to Jasper's. My cousin-in-law is a TCU grad. And so they played the fight song going out, but like all of his groomsmen were TCU fans. And the whole time, the whole weekend, I'm like, good luck in the big 10 guys. <laughs> like the whole wedding. And they were all, all they wanted to talk about was what is TCU going to do? What are we going to do if we're, T we're TCU? What do we do? That's pretty good. I bet that led to some good drunken wedding conversations. Oh man. There was a lot of drinking ha happening this weekend and I kept it together. I was not. That was this past weekend? I was not the drunkest girl at the party and I wasn't even like top four or five. Really? How many people uh, were there though? Like I, I consider like our group, like our, me and the wife and the, uh, like the cousin group, right? Like all the same generation. Right. Like we're all the, in the kids same table. Group. Yeah. The kids table, but now we're like the actual adult table, right. but, we're really, but we're really still like the in-between table. I was not even close to the drunkest girl at the party and I will not name names. I will not name names. I bet it wasn't Haley either though. I'd like to stay married, so I'm not going to name names. Okay. <laughs> Answer. Uh, TCU fans, if you need to drown your sorrows, Baylor fans, whoever you are, if you need to drown your sorrows, Jasper's has got the place for you. They got a free parking lot and lots of great boozy drinks and great food. So go to Jasper's. How about that? Love Sound it. Good? Sound good? I agree with all of that. <laughs> all right. Go to Jasper's. All right. So let's let's get into the the how good this is for college football, Aaron. And we know that it's good for Texas. We know that it's good for Oklahoma. We know that it's good for the SEC. Although, I do have a couple of questions for you about some of the middle pack teams in the SEC and some of the lower tier teams in the SEC. Mm -hmm. We'll get into the those in just a second. But I think it's I don't think you can argue that it is absolutely terrible <laughs> for the whole of college football to have one league this so so much more dominant and so much better probably taking, I don't know, at least four or five, if not six slots in the playoff most seasons. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's good for the entire sport. I just don't know. I mean, you 
you do know, <laughs> you think that it's not, and it, it's because it's not, it's not good for the sport as a whole. And I think that, you know, we're, it, it's later down the road, obviously a lot of people and probably rightfully so are speculating that we're going towards this more NFL style, just one huge super conference. But for right now, uh, and I don't really know if that's great either, but for right now, you, this distribution of talent, although we thought we were maybe going to get that even back out a little bit with the NIL, um, this is taking us in the wrong direction in terms of, is it good for the sport as a whole? And my other point that I wanted to bring up was just, you know, college football has always been like a regional tradition, very rich in, in, you know, the hometown and Say that again. Connectivity. Uh, connectivity. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Mississippi, Mississippi State and Ole Miss are like just down the road from each other. Right. And so even if you don't come and a lot of these schools, especially along this trail of where the SEC, although there isn't really a distinct trail anymore, just the areas where these schools are located, like a lot of those aren't super affluent areas for the most part. So just the the means to be able to travel, it, it used to be a lot easier. Uh, it was just a lot more regional and we're getting further away from that. So I know that's less of a a monetary or like a a big scale issue. But for me, it's a big deal because I think that it's really important to be able to travel and support your team, um, even at away games. And I think that a little bit of the tradition of college football is, is going to be stripped away with this happening. I don't know how you feel about that, but no, I I agree. I mean, we are adding Texas, Texas A&M back on the schedule, which is true, which is great. And, and keeping Oklahoma, Texas together, which is great, but you're sacrificing Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And you now have a conference that goes from Austin, Texas to Knoxville, Tennessee, Lexington, to Kentucky, Gainesville. down to Gainesville, Florida, over to Oklahoma City, basically, Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is... And, and the Big Ten's not much different, right? They're like, what does Nebraska and Rutgers have in common? <laughs> like, yeah. Other than red, like they don't have anything. Almost in common. nothing. The ACC goes all the way from Syracuse, New- basically Canada to Miami, right? Right. This is sort of it is already happening, I guess. Right. Yeah. And the SEC's clearly taken the most and the best of it all. Right. But I guess what I would, what I would hope for, and this will not happen, what I will hope for is that all the other leagues band together to try to create as much competitive balance to bring all of them up to the sec standards. And I don't know how much of that they can actually do. Notre Dame would have to join a conference first and foremost, and they're just not going to do that right now. Do you have to end up with three though? Because I argue that if you end up with like, I mean, if it's any bigger than that, how do you even compete with the sec? If you can't like knock the number of conferences down to three, and even then you're still going to struggle. And there is there's not going to be a competition. I think if Texas and somebody else had gone to the SEC, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State had gone to the Big Ten, and Notre Dame and West Virginia had gone to the ACC, I could argue that those three leagues are sort of e- equally powerful. The SEC okay. is still the best, but like the margin wouldn't be as great. When right. you take when you take Texas and Oklahoma, you're taking like every single thing. Like there is there is not a single television commodity or, or valuable property in the big 12 left right now. Like they're all tier two or tier three schools that don't, they don't draw national ratings. And so I I don't know what the PAC 12 is going to do. Like my, my, what, what I've, what I've heard is that the big 10 and the PAC 12 will form a scheduling Alliance to add a bunch of these quote unquote, bigger games to their schedules without actually having to go through any of the hoops of, of realignment. 
And that might work temporarily, but that's not going to work for 35 or 40 years, is it? No, but I don't think this, there's no way with how much things are changing that anything's going to be the same in 35 or 40 years. I mean, I, I do hope that with all of this realignment, and I don't know what this will look like, but SEC, the SEC kind of tried to be the trailblazer as they needed to be in terms of making sure everything happened with the NCAA and name, image, and likeness in as quick of a fashion, although it was very slow, um, as it did. So hopefully with this power comes more responsibility in terms of making sure that they're leading the way and doing the right thing um, and setting an example for what conferences need to do on behalf of their players and coaches and fans and everyone in between. So I do hope with the extra power or extra power comes extra responsibility. And I hope the SEC leans into that. And I don't have any reason right now to believe that they won't, but we all know at the end of the day that this is really being dictated by money. So hopefully you you take on the responsibility with gusto, but we'll see. I, I, you know, people ask about when they complain about the, you know, I don't want college football to turn into the NFL. I always laugh when they refer to like an athlete getting paid. Like that's not the same thing as turning into the NFL or transfer portal or, you know, playoff expansion. Like that stuff doesn't to me change the charm of the sport. But a, but all of a sudden, all this super conference stuff that that could end up being a thirty or forty team super league that the only that, that and they're the only forty teams that matter, and all of a sudden we're losing the the dozens and dozens and dozens of like cross state rivalries that we used to have every year. That to me is the corporatization, the nationalization, and the NFLization of of, mm-hmm. of the sport. Like that's the thing that I, that worries me. Now, if, now, if you want to keep that, you know, Iowa State, go join the Big Ten. Uh, Big Big Ten, you know what? Sacrifice being better at football and take Iowa State. And then now you've all of a sudden you've got both Iowa and Iowa State and there's some regional charm there, right? Mm-hmm. They play they play every year. Like they some some of these leagues could sacrifice being quote unquote better at the game to kind of keep the charm of the game. And the SEC just blew all that out of the water. So it's it's great for the SEC. I, I don't know if it's great for the, the rest of the college football. Here's the other question. If you're Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina, even Auburn, which we've seen win a championship, you you guys were like the let's say the seventh, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth best programs in the in the conference. Let's let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are down two spots. All four of you are now down two spots. Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. You're all down two spots, right? So how much harder is it now for a program like Arkansas and South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, these programs that aren't quote unquote halves mm-hmm. that are just like fighting to get to like that seven, eight, nine win mark and have like a historically epic 10 win season. That's going to be even harder for those teams. And if we're talking 35 years from now, I, I, I'm sorry if you have a 40 team super conference in 2050 Who's going to be in Ohio State, USC, Oregon, Clemson, or Vanderbilt? It ain't going to be Vanderbilt or Mississippi State or South Carolina. It's going to be Ohio State and Penn State. You know what I mean? It's don't you think it's really hard to 
guess what that's going to look like though with how many different factors are changing like haven't i made this <laughs> science reference before with the needing a control but we don't really have one right now in this college football experiment there's just too many different things happening too many different things moving name image and likeness like maybe yes although you got knocked down two spots because you know texas and oklahoma are better than you maybe you also have a much better year in recruiting or two years in recruiting, and then we won't see the effects of that for four or five years. Um, but it's just really hard to guess what it's going to look like because so many things are changing. And now the big, now other conferences are immediately less glamorous, even though SEC already had, you know, quite an advantage. Sure. Um, so we'll see. And you made me think of something, but then I just forgot it. <laughs> it's the bo- I blame the boozy popsicles from Jasper's. God, I wish I had had one already. I definitely would have if I had access to them right now. No, you, you um, might you might be right. There's no way to truly guess. The the only thing I'm going on here is that we now have a 12 team playoff. The NFL had a 12 team playoff for like 30 years. They had 32 teams. If we take a guess at who are winning all of the championships in college football, it's it's about 30 35 teams. So if you're if you're going like true full Terminator 2 Skynet here, right? Like the destruction of the college model, and we're gonna pull the best 35 or 40 teams together into one body, one governed collection of teams. You can call it a conference, call it divisions, call it whatever you want. If you're gonna pull together those, there's a lot of teams in the SEC that don't make that cut, is is my point. And Texas and Oklahoma definitely do. <laughs> So, I hear your point, although I've, I don't think either of us really want to think about this because of our respective alma maters, although one of us may be in a little bit slightly oh, better Tennessee position makes than the, the other. Tennessee makes the cut because, Tennessee they, make, does. because uh, they make too much money. Vanderbilt, maybe. Vanderbilt would not, man. They would not. Well, we can find the money somewhere. Uh, they would not. <laughs> Just but, kidding. But anyway, in 35 like half- years, who knows? They might be playing... Uh, they might be playing football with VR technology and not even hi- actually hitting each other. We don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> that's, that's a valid point. I guess the argument is, is that if this doesn't happen and the Big 12 and the Power 5 stay separate and they don't keep expanding and gobbling each other up and, and trying to out money each other with television executives, then we keep the charm. We keep the five conferences and and everybody at the bottom of all of these leagues, right? Illinois right. and Rutgers in the Big 10, Boston College and Wake Forest or whatever, even though they're pretty good, actually. In the ACC, you know, Duke, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas in the SEC, like the bottom third of every league has stability if we kept the five conferences together, like apart together, together apart. (laughs) You know what I mean? But now doing (laughs) this, this is like the first step in like 15 steps towards Skynet, right? Like this is the literally the this is the moment where the guy took the chip and gave the chip life. Does that make sense? It does. Have you seen Terminator 2? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we are absolutely headed. You have to hope that for the charm of college football and tradition to be preserved, the brakes are going to have to get pumped pretty quick. But I think the gas is being pushed, and we all know that. Just all stuff to think about. That's all. Uh, That's all. That's all we're doing here is just creating stuff to think about. And, you know, it's not just everybody else in college football that could get hurt by this path that we're on. It could be some teams in the sec as well. Um, by then you'll be screaming for kids to stay off your lawn anyway. So I already am. Like I see a dog walk (laughs) Pick up your poop. Come on. Um, all right. So, uh, what, what about the divisions? Do we, how how did we, we saw the sec network float the four pods Mm for pod idea. I don't even know if that's divisions or just scheduling pods. 
I would love to see a one through 16 single division rotate as many possible games as you can. If you want to make it nine conference or 10 conference games, that's great. Rotate as many games as possible so that you play everybody as often as possible in one division and top two teams at the end of the year, go play in Atlanta for the conference championship game with the winner going to the playoff. That that's what I want to see, but that's what I wanted to see when there were 14, when there were 12 teams in the league. You've always wanted this death to divisions. I mean, and so when you schedule that, I know I'm asking you very like future questions and I'm just going to make you answer all of them, but how do you make sure what does the scheduling look like so that you make sure that each year's schedule isn't like alphabetical order is going to not be good. No, (laughs) I mean, I'm joking, but like you don't want Auburn, Alabama, like all these teams in the exact same year. Although a lot of SEC schools already see those top tier teams every single year in the West. So like, what are we looking at? It's a great question. I've thought about this a lot because there's no simple solution. It's even, it's even harder to explain on a podcast. Sometimes <laughs> you have to like, see it visually. Get out one, your dry erase board. One way to do it is just invert the schedule from the previous season. So if you finish mm-hmm. last, if you're 16th in the conference, you play 15 through eight or 15 through seven, you, you play the quote unquote, you know, Golly, that's a big difference, though. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you're number one in the league, you play two through ten or whatever. Like, that's but I'm that's just throwing, not really I'm just yeah, an no. idea here. That's that's fair within the conference. Is it good for playoff? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> no, you <laughs> don't pod, want Alabama to have to play the top other I've, seven teams every it, year. You know who would? Season ticket holders and TV executives. <laughs> that's true. well and yeah we know who making the decisions and right now, you know so. and you know who else would like that all the coaches at the bad schools all totally the, all the coaches at the bad schools would be like yes this gives me a chance to get to six wins and get to a bowl game and mm-hmm. there is some equity there there you know if you're going to make the hardest schedule for the hardest for the best team i mean there's some equity to that um there is but until until you have to expand that out to it's all in good in good faith until you actually end up keeping your own teams out of the playoffs because of it, it, it which is totally possible. But I, I would argue if you're good enough to be in the playoff, then you can go 10 and two in the sec. Cause 10 and two is going to get Jeez. you into the playoff. Um, okay. Cause again, how many are we playing three conference games? Are we playing nine, eight, 10? How many conference games are we playing? Right. Um, the pod, the pod system is interesting, which I know you're a fan of, which basically like locks in three opponents every year. Um, yeah, and, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was like Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Those three of those would always play each other. And then you rotate the other ones. I could be on board with something like that. I just don't want to see them actually physically broken into divisions the way the NFL is. That's what I right. don't like. I think it's more. Yeah. And I think I'm more than liking the pod system, I'm intrigued by it because it creates the possibility to maintain some of those games that are so important to certain fan bases including the rivalry games, you know, how do we, you could, you know, maintain Texas, Oklahoma and, you know, keep all of your in-state rivalry games and all of that. So I haven't really flushed it all out in terms of who I would want to be in each pod and, and how that would work. But I am intrigued by the capability of keeping certain teams together and then rotating the rest. But I agree with you that we need to see more of a rotation because we're not, what do we talk about at once every 14 years you play at a, the other divisions 
yeah, away think, at another like another school. Yeah, like, I don't think that Georgia has played at Texas A and M yet. I, I don't see think that, that's not enough rotation. I don't think that game has happened. Uh, so the pod system, and I don't, I did this off the top of my head, so maybe I'm wrong here, but I think it's Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt in one pod, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU, A and M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas, all teams that used to play each other in in the old Big Twelve, uh, well, Big Twelve, and then southwest conference and big eight um in theory that would give you three games that were the same every single year and then you would rotate the other six in a nine game conference schedule which would give you the chance to split home and home with 12 total teams every two years so you would see every team every two years so i can get on board with that i could see it being two two teams that are standardized every year and then you rotate so i i'm I'm on board with some mix of all right, well, Florida and Georgia are always going to play. Alabama, Auburn are always going to play. Texas and Oklahoma are always going to play. I, I, I could be on board with those being locked in. I don't love the idea of A&M and Texas being separated. I, I think they should play every year. But I just don't want to see division. I, I just want to get rid of divisions. I don't want it to be two divisions or four divisions or three divisions. Just give me one division of 16 and the best two teams go to the championship game. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I don't hate that idea either. I just... I think the experience, okay. every SEC school has something very different to offer, although the passion amongst all of them is is pretty high. they uh, Every single town that these schools are located in, every single game day experience is so different. So I think part of the, what could keep the spark for college football and the passion alive is being able to experience all of those different you know, game day scenarios as an SEC football fan. So the more, the more diversity we're seeing on that front, I think the better. Yeah. Um, last question here before we get to Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com. And that is, can Texas and Oklahoma hang in the SEC? Because there are a lot of coaches, Aaron, that cannot wait to run up the score on the Sooners and the Longhorns every single chance they get. I hate to be boring in this answer too, I think that the first couple of years for them, maybe there's a little bit more of a hiccup, but there we, we know how good they are and how good they can be at least. And I do think that as soon as these coaches get to recruit under the sec conference, it, everything changes. That's kind of my answer to the question earlier, but I just don't see how recruiting that is already pretty good doesn't just skyrocket through the roof and then we'll see i kind of think the haves and the have nots stay the same to your point like i you know missouri had a couple of great years when they got there but then they fell back to right where missouri sort of is located right and, and i don't mean that as, as a knock but like gary pinkle was historically epically good for missouri and they got to a big 12 championship game they got to an sec championship game and he's gone and they haven't really been the same since mm-hmm. a&m showed us what you can become when you look and act and walk and cash checks like an SEC program. Yes. But they still have yet to break through, although they've built. It's taken them 10 years, but they've built to where they are now. You know, number six in the preseason, almost made the playoff last year. They're one of the best three teams in the league, right? Yeah, you're sitting at five and six. I think you've made a point. You've hired the right coach. You've invested in the stadium, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think there's going to be a rough couple of years for Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma's in much better situation than Texas is right now. Right. I think it's gonna be a rough couple of years, but I think once you get smothered, covered and you know, whatever with the sec, like I think you're, 
if you hire the right coach, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be just fine. But it's going to take some adjustment. It took Texas A&M eight years in firing a coach. I know, but the, it's the perfect storm right now with name, image, and likeness and how much tra- yeah. like the tradition that Oklahoma and Texas have is big-scale football programs and then the amount of money that businesses not only locally or but nationally will be willing to hi- put behind guys that play for one of those schools. I think the lag time on them catching up is going to be a lot shorter than Texas A&M. I, I agree with that. I just think like if Auburn – like if Auburn – takes three or four recruiting cycles to get caught up to Alabama, Georgia, and a and Like it took Jimbo Fisher like four or five years to get caught up. Right. And I, and I just think it's going to take a couple of years, three or four years to recruit the amount of dudes. I like agree. We, we, we know Oklahoma's got it on offense and we think they're better on defense, but this is different. This is a different level of ball. So I just, I think the, the answer to the question is yes, they absolutely can hang. They but, can. But how long will it take and who needs to be in charge? Is that Steve Sarkeesian? I, I don't know. In fact, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I might be the most angry of anybody. <laughs> in this entire Probably program. so. I, I took, hadn't even thought about that. But I took this yeah. job to dominate the Big 12, and now I've got to go coach against Saban? What the hell? <laughs> I can't imagine that was his favorite thing to find out. Um, right, exactly. Uh, all right, so speaking of Steve Sarkeesian, our interview, Jeff Ketchum, orangebloods.com, gave us a ton of insight into the Texas politics, why recruiting is such a big deal, the state of Texas, the decision-making process behind all of this stuff, basically why Texas is going to become a member of the SEC. So without further ado, here was my conversation with Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Great to see you, buddy. How are you? Been busy this week or something? Not a time for a vacation at all or a trip to the beach or a trip to the grocery store it's been <laughs> stay glued to the computer kind of uh time for me yeah st- stare at your cell phone for updates constantly <laughs> um we, so we've got official news monday morning that i guess the joint statement from oklahoma and and texas are that they've notified the big 12 today has been that, delivered today that, that, that they will sort of they're not going to be renewing their grant of rights um so this is a done deal huh they're, they're done with the big 12 Yes. And the thing, the thing that exists that's different today in 2021 than let's say a decade ago is that politically speaking, both the governor and the speaker of the house in the state of Texas are Texas grads and they're in, they're in Texas's back pocket and Texas is in their back pocket. They, they there is a coexistence politically where Kevin Elteef is rubbing shoulders with, um, Greg Abbott, the Texas governor. And so while you're going to see a lot of Texas politicians talk about raising issues and bringing this before the House and the Senate and the state of the state of Texas, they're not reconvening until 2023. Nothing could be up for discussion officially unless Greg Abbott allows for it to be entered into an emergency session, if you will. And that's not going to happen. So you're going to hear a lot of politicians talk about they're going to put together bills and they're going to they're going to rattle their sabers. But at the end of the day, it's a toothless, empty gesture because the governor of the state of Texas is going to protect the University of Texas in this 
conversation. And there's really not anything that anybody can do if Abbott won't sign off on it. And he's already indicated to all of the various political figures that have already approached him. He's not getting in the way of this. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to run everyone through this entire process. Can Number one, who are the people making the decisions? Uh, we know who's sort of efforting on the Big 12 side of things. Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner, and all the other presidents. And we know that the presidents of Texas and OU are sort of on this as well. But but who's really making the decisions? Who, who are the people that are ha, have been pushing this from the beginning? The guy on the Texas side that's in charge of everything is the head of the Board of Regents. He's a gentleman by the name of Kevin Eltief. And his arrival into that position has changed, I think, the ideology for the entire program inside the university from top to bottom. This used to be a university that primarily focused on wanting to rub elbows with the academic elite. So it was really important that the Stanford's and the Cal Berkeley's were the company that the university as a whole uh, kept. And I think for a long time, there's been a little bit of a snobby attitude towards the SEC that it wasn't quite the kind of company that Texas wanted to be keeping. LTF arrives as a new voice, the voice, and he is incredibly motivated by athletics. I don't mean that to suggest he's not motivated by academics, but it is now as critically important for Texas in the administration to be competing at the highest levels athletically as it is academically. And I think that that has led us to this position where Texas has gone from wanting to judge the SEC to some degree that, you know, it was beneath Texas to engage with a conference that cares so much about athletics. And now it has leadership that cares that much about athletics. And now they want to be at the cool kids table. There's a lot of reasons that Texas would want to join the SEC, but it has taken an ideology change at the top of the university to get there. And now that that's occurred, you've got board of regents, chairman, board of regents, university president and athletic director all on the same page, but they all answer to LT. And where this would have been different from say 10 years ago is that all of those parties that I just mentioned would have previously been scrambled and all would have had their own idea about what was most important for the university. They're all on the same page. And that's one of the reasons like something like this could be developing for months and months and there not have been any leaks or, or anything that would have tripped this thing up on the Texas side of things from a political standpoint, their message discipline has been fantastic. Uh, and again, I give all of the credit to LT, who was responsible for Tom Herman not returning as head coach, was responsible for Steve Sarkeesian becoming the new head coach. He is the de facto athletic director for all intents and purposes when it comes to making the single biggest decisions for the university. And you might even say he's a bit of the de facto university president because the university president really follows his cues and leads and he's the decision maker. So what are the factors all these folks are, are considering? We, we just, we know that there was a meeting with Texas and OU with the big 12, uh, essentially I'm assuming 
them trying to grovel and convince them to stay. You know, I don't know. We had this, you know, 12 years ago with the whole Pac-12 thing, which I never thought was all that real. I thought it was just creating leverage to get more. And we ended up with the Longhorn Network and, you know, a much bigger deal for, for Oklahoma and Texas. What, what are the actual parts of the puzzle that are actually being considered here? Like, like obviously, we got grant of rights as a part of this and the expansion of the playoff as a part of this. But what are the things that people aren't thinking about that are on the table for Texas and Oklahoma to use as consideration in making their decision? I think there are two big – I can't completely speak for Oklahoma, although I will lump them into the things that we're going to talk about. But from the Texas side of things – Number one, there's a ton of money. I mean, there's so much money involved in this that Texas and Oklahoma almost certainly will get a unanimous vote when it comes to voting in the SEC and give the SEC credit. Like, even if they're unhappy to a certain degree across the board, there is a, a an intended goal, I think, of everybody publicly being on the same page. I think that's what last Wednesday was for Texas A&M. It was their moment in the sun to kind of yell out their opposition to all of this. But in the end, they're going to cash checks. They're going to make a lot more money. They're not, no one at any point from A&M has said, we so badly don't want this to happen that we will not accept all of the money that arises from all of this. <laughs> right. I think the most underrated element of this for Texas, once you get beyond the money component, is in a world where in-state recruiting, not out-of-state recruiting, but with their in-state football recruiting of the elite of the elite prospects, when they get into a scenario where, let's say, a kid's top five is Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Alabama, and LSU, that's pretty standard top five stuff in the state of Texas. 60% of those schools that Texas is competing with, and really 75%, if you take Texas away and just look at the four schools that remain, they're all delivering the same message. You play an inferior brand of football. And if you are trying to recruit the elite of the elite, it's not that Texas A&M negatively recruits Texas. And I'm not a big believer in the negative recruit. You know, in the SEC, what they call negative recruiting? Recruiting. Recruiting. Yes, exactly. That's that line falls short in Texas all the time, but you get it right. So when they're recruiting against A&M and Alabama and LSU, those schools are all hitting the same nail with the same hammer. And it has a residual effect that sees Texas oftentimes go from being the early leader in the recruitment to being a co-leader to be in a school that gets an official visit and is in the top five, but always seemingly in recent years is ending up as a bridesmaid. For Texas to join the SEC means to put them in recruiting terms in football on the same level so that they don't have to combat this narrative that just kills them. It's not that Texas has just been average as a football program for the last 10 years. It's that their average isn't taking place where the best brand of football is taking place. And it's a little thing, but this little thing has built up over time into a tremendous thorn in the side of Texas football. I think to be able to eliminate that 
and put Texas into a position where conference wise, they're on even footing. And now it's just about getting good at football is, is critical to what's taking place here. Because if Texas were to win the big 12 this year in football, they still go into a recruiting battle with the likes of Alabama, LSU and A&M with all three of them saying, well, yeah, they're good, but does it really count? They're not really playing big boy football. Texas is tired of hearing that so much so that we've seen this change in ideology that I've been talking about. They're actually okay now with keeping company with people that once upon a time would have given them the ick. And I think what they realize is maybe they shouldn't throw glass, you know, rock or shouldn't throw rocks and glass glass houses because they want to be on that level and the easiest way to get there i think is to join the cool kids table and not try to fight it how does this all look i mean there's the grant of rights which runs through 25 which i guess you could legally negotiate you've got an expansion coming potentially in let's say two years minimum probably probably not much longer than that you've got eight other schools that are then going to be left scrambling what what does it actually look like How, how does it logistically unfold over the next couple of years because you, well, you can't texas tell, t- you can't tell texas and oklahoma fans hey we're leaving for the sec and then wait four years like i don't think texas and that. oklahoma publicly will project the position that hey if we have to wait till 2025 we'll wait till 2025 this is a hundred year decision for us what they're counting on is that the disruption created from this eventually leads to the organic collapse of the conference that if Kansas and Oklahoma state and Texas tech and the rest all have to start thinking about themselves and making side deals that the conference as a whole will just collapse. The timeline on this is tricky because Texas and Oklahoma are waiting for events to occur that haven't occurred yet. That would be the thing, the impotence that would allow for an earlier arrival into the SEC. So they're going to drop the nuclear bomb, and then they're going to stand back and wait to see how all of the other schools react. If they had to wait till 2025, I think their attitude is, okay, we'll do what we've got to do. They know, though, that this is unsustainable, that the conference can't exist for four years. You know, it's one thing to have a kid who's 17 and to, and for the parents to say, we're not going to get a divorce until the kid's 18 and on to college. It's a hell of a thing to say that when they're 14 and say, hey, we're just going to, we're going to stay married for the next four years and we'll figure it out. And I'm sure it'll be okay because we want to protect the kids. That can't sustain itself. I think Texas has a goal of getting into the SEC by 2023. I think in a dream world, it happens before that, maybe even 2022, but it's all connected to what happens now with the other eight schools in the big 12. And do we get to a point where we say in December that other schools are headed to other conferences? They don't want to wait either. Everybody wants to get started with a brand new life. Texas and Oklahoma are ready for that. The other schools are not. This hit them like a sack of bricks upside the head. So they're all scrambling literally in the last five days to plan out what happens next. So really, Texas and Oklahoma just need time. They need time for everything else to unfold. Yeah, everybody jokes like, oh, why would they leak this out? I'm like, they didn't. It was Oklahoma State. (laughs) Like it was. No, it was A&M. Like like, this. A&M 
<laughs> released leaked this to their reporter 10 minutes before their media sessions at SEC media days began. Oh, I thought that so was that a coincidence. The, I what's thought, that? I thought that was a coincidence. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a coincidence like you and I are together right now. Something had to happen to, to make it happen. And look, I don't blame the Aggies. I think, though, it speaks volumes about the roles that each play. I, I, in a way, I really do feel bad for the Aggies. They've spent a decade trying to get their football program to the point where it can stand on its own two feet. It goes into this season as a legitimate national championship contender. It is maybe the primary opponent for Alabama this year for SEC dominance, at least in their own division. And on the day when they finally have waited for this, okay, Brandon, they've waited for this where they can show up at SEC media day and say, look at how badass our football team is. Let's talk about how much progress we've made. And all it took was Texas to, to do a very Texas thing for AM to say, we will blow up our entire media day so that we can be mad at Texas and throw out some one-liners about how you better be ready. And what ended up happening was, Texas just stole their thunder. That whole day, all the headlines from that day became about Texas when they should about te- been about Texas A and M. And you could make the case that well, what A and M should have done is waited a day, do their SEC media day, and then drop it the next day, and just ruin someone else's media day. <laughs> but the SEC powers that be were already pretty peeved yeah. that they did what they did to. <laughs> to one up and blow up someone else's platform would have been a real act of betrayal. So they, they blew up their own moment in the sun, mainly because this thing is so far down the road. It was kind of their only option. You can already see five days later that the school president and the athletic director have fallen back. They're going to be good soldiers. Yeah. They're not going to be bad SEC members, but I think they felt like they had to say what they had to say. Unfortunately for them, they had to say it on a day that should have been dedicated to really talking about this really good football team that they have. Well, and and they got every single day of practice for the next month and a half to to do all of that. So I, like you could argue they didn't really give up much at all, um, but but they have to outwardly sort of appear to be against this because, like you said, when that extra twenty million dollars a year rolls in, they'll, they'll, they're going to put the check in the bank. Like it's not it's not like they're not going to take it. Jeff, always a pleasure, man. I, enjoy the next couple of weeks, months, years. <laughs> we'll see you in the SEC soon, buddy. Dude, we're going to be brothers. I know. And <laughs> brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. So you just feel my ghost hug and know that I am ecstatic about this. I am so tired of the Big Twelve. I am SEC minded. And I'm ready to be in the cool kids club. <laughs> well, it's it's the most dominant, most powerful college football conference ever assembled in the history of the sport. Whenever it happens, whatever year that is, I'm assuming it's going to tie in exactly with expansion. <laughs> and and that probably wouldn't be a probably wouldn't be an accident either. Uh, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. And we'll 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 hug in, in, in real life soon. All right. You got it. I'll bring the macaroni and cheese and desserts for the big SEC cookout the next time there is one. I just got back from Dallas actually this past weekend. I was at a wedding. I've, I've had so much brisket. I might need to take a break, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, have a good rest of the day and a good week. All right, brother. You too. Take care.
That was Jeff Ketchum from OrangeBloods.com. And yeah, Aaron, I think the uh, the marriage analogy of if you need to stay married for one year and put the divorce off because your kid needs to graduate high school for one year, that's fine. If they're going into, if they're eighth grade or ninth grade, it's got to be four years. You probably need to get divorced. And I think that's where they're at right now. I think Texas and Oklahoma have forced the Big 12's hand to figure out a way out of the relationship, right? And that's what I was trying to explain earlier with my dating analogy and probably didn't do a very good job. Maybe we just let Jeff do it. <laughs> yeah, Jeff which, which we did. He did it. He did. Uh, I wouldn't say yours was bad. It was just not quite as concise. It wasn't great. It's like once the relationship is over, just shit or get off the pot you know what i mean yeah and that's i should have just said that i should have used a pooping analogy instead of a dating analogy is what i should have done i don't think yeah i mean i guess i don't that seems like two pretty bad options considering <laughs> I, how one went and that the other one's a poop analogy but I, okay. I i'm now suddenly very fascinated with where that phrase came from <laughs> is it like when you're standing in line i don't want to do someone's this. in someone's in the bathroom and you're like dude come on shit or get off the pot. <laughs> maybe you maybe you dig into that and we can address it next week. Although I hope we don't. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I'll really dig into that. All right. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a a wild ride probably until we see where where this all lands. But I think we all already know the answer, and I think it's I think it's this is going to happen quickly and we will yeah. know what's going to happen. Even if it doesn't happen until 2023 or 2025, it will probably be the former rather than the latter. But I think we'll know pretty quickly where we're headed. I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. And you talked about name, image, image and likeness sort of accelerating this process. We didn't even talk about Bryce young potentially <laughs> making all this money. And so we'll, we'll get to that uh, here in a, here next week as well. So a whole lot of stuff happened in the sec this summer, and that is not what we expected. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Man, uh, it was uh, an actual surprise. It, it was legit. It was, I, th- I think it was an actual surprise too. Cause if you go back and listen to the big 12 commissioner's comments, Bob Bowlesby, he was asked about like realignment or whatever, kind of jokingly. And he was like, Oh, I haven't lost any sleep about that this year. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> oh man. All right, Aaron, friend, gentlemen, special thanks to uh, uh, Jeff Ketchum from orangebloods.com for giving us some insight. Of course, Aaron Dugan, friend, gentlemen is brought to you by. You know what? I do the first two of every show. I think I'm going to make a, a motion for you to be in charge of the last Jasper's catchphrase each week. Like from now on? I mean, this I think it's not... I do two. I, do, I have to do three a week. Well, you're the star of the show, and this was not negotiated into my grant of rights. I don't. I haven't seen my grant of rights in, on, in writing yet. That's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> Jasper's expanding your culinary palate into Texas and Oklahoma. There you go. But it wasn't. Bad. It, it's hard though because you struggle with it and you think about it after about whether it was good or bad, and then you don't you lose sleep over it. So it's, I'm glad it, that you now understand what I go through. Right, but you're better than I am. You're 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 better on your feet like that. I quicker, have some bad winning. days. That's <laughs> all right. We all do. Jasper's, you know what? Has no bad days. All good days at Jasper's. Great drink specials. Great happy hour. They got specials on Sunday, like almost all of the days. Um, obviously Monday through Friday, four to six, they got a grab and go market. They got where, where Aaron's dad can buy you weird gifts and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a very, very cool. It's a very cool market. Um, they got the patio, they got the game room. They got all kinds of great stuff and a great menu by Deb Paquette. And today bubbles and Rose, which it is bubbles and Rose. So it's all all, Rose and champagne is only $5, which is like downtown Nashville. Every glass of champagne costs like 14 to $17. And you can park your car for free, so be careful. 
because we don't know if you can leave it there overnight or not. We're not sure. So just be careful. Take an Uber. Um, all right, Aaron, <laughs> where can people find you? Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram and the Aaron Dugan on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm Braden Gall at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Thanks to Jeff Ketchum for joining us. Please share the show. Rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and share the show. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Bye.